Now, here's a point to really make clear. I can't say this clear enough, and so everybody look at me. Please look at me. If you are a Christian, and many of you are, if you are a Christian, you already have a perfection that will never go away. You have the perfection of Christ. His record is your record. Jesus' record is my record. I trust in him. I don't trust in me. I can't have a perfect record. Okay? So that's a kind of perfection. That's a kind of holiness that you have as a Christian. So because of that, we can pursue holiness. And when we fail, we won't be crushed. When we fail, we won't be in despair. When we fail, we won't want to jump over a bridge. When we fail, we won't want to go shoot people or children or whatever it is. We won't want to ruin our bodies with substances. We won't, we won't be crushed when we fail. Because I know, I failed yesterday with something that was just bothering me for almost 24 hours. And I had to say to myself, I had to preach to my heart, James, you are not crushed. Because I have a perfection that I could never earn. And so if I couldn't earn it, then I can't earn my way out of it. Okay? So I hope that's comforting. If you're a Christian, you have Jesus' perfection. Now, some of you right now are thinking, I cannot think of anything worse than being holy. I cannot think of a worse talk to hear than a talk on holiness. Some of you are thinking, you know, I've tried the holiness thing. I didn't like it. It didn't work for me. Um, I didn't like myself when I was trying to be holy. I started judging people. I started always just worrying about every little thing I did. Actually, I kind of became a grouch when I was trying to be holy. Well, let me just tell you this. So I'll go on a little soapbox rant. I did this with Brad like a week ago in my office. And if, if holiness makes you a grouch, you are doing it wrong. Okay? If it, makes, if it makes you a sourpuss, you're doing it wrong. Like if, if you are more miserable or more boring, if you're not fun to hang out with, you're not doing holiness. You're doing something else. You're doing New Year's resolutions or just trying to uh, rack up your morality. You're trying to look good for other people. You're trying to look good for God. You're just trying to white-knuckle it to say, okay, well, I'm not going to lust over her. Or I'm not going to look at my bank account one more time to see if I have enough money. Or I'm not going to look at that college application one more time because I'm so worried if I'm going to get in or not. That's not holiness. Okay, that's something else entirely. So remember that. If, whole, if, it's, if it's making you a grouch, you're not, you're not doing holiness. You're just you're doing it wrong. Because holiness should make you happy. And I hopefully will be able to convince you of that later. Now there's others of you who are saying, you know, I tried the holiness thing, and it was just so hard. It was, it was immensely hard. I don't think the Christian thing is for me, because I, I wasn't good at it. Let me tell you this. This is very important. Measure holiness over months and years, not over days and weeks, not over minutes and seconds, okay? Measure holiness over months and years. I really wish I was holier than I am right now, and if you would have asked me five years ago how holy I would be, I would, have, I would hope I'd be holier than I am, but I'm not. But I'm a little bit holier, right? I'm, I'm a little bit more like Jesus. I love him a little bit more. And I hope that in 40 or 50 or 60 years, there's increase. And so, so remember that as well. 
Now, the second thing I want to ask, so the first thing was, what is holiness or what is not holiness? Now, the second thing, does it even matter? Does holiness even matter? Saved by grace, right? God, Jesus died for me, so, man, I'm good. I got my, I got my salvation card. See, I have a Chick-fil-A card in here. I went to Chick-fil-A today. You know, I got my salvation card right here. This is Wells Fargo, but, right? I'll show this to God when I get up to the gates of heaven, and I'll show him my, my salvation card. I prayed the prayer. This holiness doesn't matter, but it does matter. Here's why it matters. I think I put this up there. There you go. You need to prove. There needs to be some proof that your confession in Jesus is not phony. So think about this. Um, Think about somebody who really loves Taylor Swift, or they say they love Taylor Swift. Is she still kind of in? Like, do you guys listen to Taylor? Brad loves Taylor Swift. Sorry, Brad. So, so think about this. Somebody says, I love Taylor Swift. I am her biggest fan. I, ha- I-, I love Taylor Swift. You couldn't, you couldn't stack any other musician up. Is she a musician, or does she just sing? I don't know. I love, and then you say, okay, well, prove it. So I'm going to go to your house. I walk in. Man, it's Bieber fever in here. Oh. There's, there's no Taylor Swift to be found. It's all Justin Bieber. Whether this is a guy or a girl, I don't know. That's up for you to decide. Is that person a Swift? No, they're a phony Swift fan. Right? They're not real. They're not legitimate. They're phony. And so for the Christian, you can be sure... If, if God's grace has flowed into you, you can be sure there will be goodness that flows out. All right? Did you catch that? If goodness is flowing out of you, you can be sure that God's grace has flowed in. All right? Now, this gets down to some level that we don't have time to talk about. I mean, this gets down to motives, like how do I know if what I'm doing is good? Right? That's something you have to figure out. The Bible talks a lot about that. But when we get down to it, we have to understand, if God's grace has come to me, if I am a Christian, there will be some evidence. There will be some. There will be a a little pinch of evidence when I stand before the Lord. Out of all my sin that I dealt with, there still will be some evidence that some goodness has come out of me because God's grace has come into me. Also, let's be clear, a habitual life of ungodliness if you live a habitual life of ungodliness, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay? So some grace comes in. Goodness must come out. If you live a habitual life of ungodliness, then no grace has come into you. That's, the Bible's, that's how the Bible talks. So you can talk to me afterwards or talk to Brad to get to some scriptures on that, but that's how the Bible looks at life doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but what direction, what direction are you going in? So let's look at this. Let's look at what Peter says. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 2, 5. We're going to cover a lot of ground, and we're hopefully going to do it pretty quick here. So here's two foundational things. Verse 13, here's what Peter says. How can we be holy? You know, how, how do we do this? How do we do the Christian life? He says, therefore, I'm going to stop. Wow, got really far. Therefore, 
Everything Brad talked about last week is a foundation for this passage. So if you weren't here, go back later and read the first part of 1 Peter. Therefore, in light of everything I had just written, prepare your minds for action and be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. So two things. First thing, set your minds to be ready. When, tem- when you know temptation's coming, what, will you, are you preparing in advance for that? Are you a thinking people? Christianity is not some religion where we just say, like, you know, like the Buddhists there. Um, you know, oh, I'll just empty my mind. No, we fill our minds with truth. We fill our minds with the Bible. Right? So prepare your minds. Be ready. Use your mind so you can get moving, so you can do this thing. Use your brains. God gave you a brain to use. Here's the second thing. And this is where I got the the main point of the talk. This is where it comes from. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. If your eyes are not directed at the grace that will come to you when Jesus comes back, then you are trusting in something else other other than God's grace. You're trusting in yourself. You're trusting in your holiness. But Christians trust in God's grace. So we've received grace when we become Christians, right? If you're a Christian, you know this. You've been freed from guilt. You've been freed from the penalty of sin. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You've been given Christ's righteousness. That is grace. But it's, in, in your life, it's not perfected yet because you aren't perfect. But when Jesus comes back, you will be perfect. So that is what we're setting our hopes on. That's the direction we're moving. We are trusting that God will be gracious to us, not because I've earned it, but because he's gracious. That's what grace means. So that's, that's where the direction I'm going. I'm hoping and I'm trusting and I'm believing that when Jesus comes back, he'll wipe away all my sin. So I have great hope, like I said earlier, that when I fail, I can trust in Christ. I can get back up and continue moving toward him. I don't have to despair. I don't have to be crushed. Okay, now go to verses 14 through 15. Peter now, he gives us two motivations to be holy. So if you're looking for some motivation, maybe I haven't convinced you yet that holiness is a good thing or that it's necessary. Here's some motivations for holiness. First motivation, we have a holy father. We have a holy father. And look at what Peter says in verse 14. As obedient children... Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Verse 15. But as he who called you is holy, so you also must be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. God who saved you is holy, so you be holy. Be like your dad. Be like your father. Don't be like your former father, the devil. Don't be like him. Be like God, your Father. So that's the first motivation. Simple enough. It's not rocket science. We have been saved by a good, holy Father. So we want to be like Him. Second motivation. Unholiness will be disciplined. Now, you are perfect in Christ if you are a Christian. God will not be angry at you. He cannot be angry at you. Because all of His anger was put on Christ on the cross. Yet... He will discipline you if you are not holy. Look at what Peter says. I won't read all these verses. It's 17 through 21, but I'll read 17. Since you call on him as father who judges each man's work impartially, 
Live your lives as strangers here, on, uh, strangers here in reverent fear. So what Peter's saying is, live your life with a healthy fear that God is your judge and your father. Any of you that have a good father know I have a healthy fear of my dad because I know if I disobey him, he will love me or he will punish me. He will discipline me would probably be a better way to put it. He will discipline me. So the second motivation is there will be discipline if I'm not holy. You you will not be cast away forever, but you will have pain. You will have heartache. you You will experience intense grief because of sin. And of course, when you, when you go to stand before God, that will all be wiped away. But in the meantime, when we disobey our Father, we will be disciplined. Somehow, we will be disciplined. Now, Peter gives a reason to remember this, to remember why a holy God would discipline us, why a holy Father would discipline us. And this is This is the best part of the passage. This is the hinge of the passage. And look at what Peter says in verse 18 through 21. I guess I will be reading them all. But he says, For you know, for, so because or since, you know, because because of what I just said, you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. But with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. So Peter says, you were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We are all looking for redemption. Redemption basically means to somebody gives you value. Somebody gives you worth. They give it back to you. Redemption means to be bought back. That's what redeem means. And so what Peter says is, why would you want to go on sinning when the Son of God shed His blood for you? Do other things do that? Think about that. Girls, does your boyfriend or your grades at school shed their blood for you? Guys, does pornography shed its blood for you? Does money, does your bank account or a college prospect or a job or your best friend, your parents' approval, your friend's approval, does that shed, do those things shed their blood for you? No, they do not. So essentially what Peter's saying is, is you, weren't, you weren't redeemed with silver or gold or fill in the blank. You were received with something precious, Your sin was so bad, Jesus had to die for it. There is no other religion like that. And there's no other thing on this world that would do that for you. Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, those things won't do that for you. But let's be honest. The reason Christ's blood isn't precious is because we love our sin, right? We love those things uh, I just mentioned. The reason... I don't always remember Christ's preciousness is because I really love when people approve me. I really love when, when people tell me I did a good job. I really love when people say, you know what, James, you were right. I was wrong. You know, I really love when, when people look up to me. We, we love these. You crave those things, right? 
I do. So in, until we see those things for what they are, good. I mean, they're good things, but they are empty in themselves. They cannot redeem us. Then only then will the blood of Christ be precious. So if you're a Christian, remember, you are redeemed with the blood of Jesus. Your salvation was free, but it is not cheap. It is costly. It cost God to save you. It cost him his life. All right, moving on. We've got to really hurry. Look at verses 22 through 25. I don't have time to read them, but I'm going to summarize them for you, and you can go back and read them. What Peter says here is that holiness produces love. Dot, dot, dot. So love. The main way that you will know if you are holy is if you will love. Why do you think that is? Maybe it's because God is love. And he loved us and gave his son for us. And so what are we to do? We are to love others and, and give ourselves for others. So that is what, that's the chief characteristic of holiness. How do, I, how do I know if I'm holy? I'm growing in my love for people. I don't love them perfectly. They're not perfect and I'm not perfect. And we struggle with loving each other. But I'm growing in loving each other. How do we know, how do we know that? How do we know this is where Peter's going? Look at verses, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. He said, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. This is the anti-love. This is like, this is the opposite of love. These things are opposite. You want to do love? Don't do these things. Right? And, and how does this fit into the whole holiness should be a characteristic of Christian community? Pretty simple. You can't love people unless you're around them. So you can't be holy alone. You can't be holy by being a monk and going to live in some monastery and not talk to anybody and practice your spiritual disciplines and read the Bible and pray. To be holy means to be around other people and love them as God loved you. So remember that. We are holy in community. You can't be holy outside of community. Does that make sense? Okay, so if someone says, oh man, I actually, I heard a, a musician once, he was, I was at a concert and he said something I'll never forget. He said, you know, I would be a great Christian if it weren't for people. I would be a great Christian if it weren't for Christians. How true is that? Almost. Because we can't be a Christian without other people. We've been born into this community. And so what Peter's saying in this passage is, you have been born again through the gospel And because you have been born by this gospel, this eternal word, this word that will last forever, you are now in a community that will last forever, so get used to loving them. Because you will be with them forever, and you will love them forever. All right, I got like three minutes or four minutes to finish this off, so how do we cultivate holiness? That's the last thing we're going to look at. How do we cultivate holiness? Peter uses three things. I'm going to skip over this quote. You can go by. We don't have enough time. First thing is take in God's word. You can see that in chapter 2, too. He says, crave the word. Crave the pure spiritual milk. And I have a picture up here of Bailey with me when she was born. So you can see how little she is, right? I mean, she's like this small. Okay? And if a baby that small doesn't get milk or or formula, they won't grow. 
And what Peter is saying in chapter 2, verse 2 is, like a newborn baby, crave milk. Crave the Bible. You won't grow if you don't read the Bible. We can sing, we can pray, we can serve, but those are all giving out. You need to take in. Those things won't matter squat if you don't take in. So if you don't read the Bible, I don't know how, you be a, I don't know how you're a Christian. I'll just be honest. I don't know how you can be a Christian and not read the Bible. That's what Peter's telling us. You want to cultivate holiness? You want to work at this? Read the scriptures. Second thing, which comes from the first, spend time with Jesus in verse 4, you'll, you can read it. He says, as you come to him. How do we spend time with Jesus? Well, we spend time with Jesus in the word, but specifically, we're praying. And here's the key, repenting. You can't be holy if you don't repent. Only holy people repent. We confess to God what we have done wrong. We look to Jesus for grace, and we ask the Holy Spirit to help us do what God has called us to do. And the third thing, spend time with believers. You can see that in verse 5. So as you come to Jesus, Peter says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. You have this community. You have to live in a community with people. And I, I hope that if you're not a Christian, what you're hearing right now is, you know, I wish I was in a community like that. I wish I was in a community where we shared our possessions and our money, where we rejoice with those who rejoice, where we weep with those who weep, where we help people, where we encourage people. You know, there are no other communities like this. All the other communities are strong-arming each other because you want to get to the top. You want to be the CEO. You want to be the quarterback. Or you want the grant from your academic department. Whatever it is. Other communities don't exist to serve each other. But Peter says, in God's house, you come together. And you come together to love each other. Not to strong-arm each other. And if you're a Christian in here, what I'm hoping you're hearing is, man, my hope is set on God's grace. My only hope is Jesus. That's the direction I'm moving. I really want to be holy. And I, I hope that you also see how this relates to happiness. And after I say this, I'll be done. Holiness leads to happiness because you are continually looking away from yourself to the good of others. You are continually looking away from yourself to the good of others. And that's what God did for you. Jesus looked away from himself to your good. And when life isn't about you, I guarantee you'll be much happier than you are right now. I guarantee it. If you are looking out for other people's happiness, and they are looking out for your happiness, what, what, what a world that would be, right? But we can only do that if we know the Savior who did that for us. So I promise you, holiness will lead to happiness, and they are intertwined. And on the last day, when Jesus returns, and your hope is fully set on Him, like Peter said in verse 13, that will be the happiest day of your life, and it will only get better from there. It will only get better. Father, um, wow, I didn't even do justice to this passage. Um, 
There is so much here, so much to explore. I pray, Lord, that we would be captivated by this great vision of holiness, of being like you for your glory and for other people's good. God, make us happy to love each other. And I pray that you'd help Oasis to do that. I pray that you'd help these small groups to do that well. In Jesus' name, amen.